Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Solving the Puzzle with Dr. Datis Karazian, informing you about evidence-based strategies for autoimmune disease, brain health issues, Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, gut health problems, and many other chronic health conditions. If you enjoy this podcast, you can find more information on today's episode and other topics at drknews.com. So in this podcast, what I want to go over with everyone is really what happens to your health when your thyroid hormones are low. And when you look at the low thyroid hormones, it could happen for several reasons. One of the reasons your thyroid hormones could be low is because you actually have a condition called hypothyroidism. And another reason why your thyroid hormones may be low is maybe you've already been diagnosed on thyroid replacement, but maybe you don't have the proper dosage and you may need to follow up with your healthcare professional to see if your dosage needs to be increased. There's also certain mechanisms that are called non-thyroid illness patterns, NTI patterns, where people have nothing wrong with their thyroid gland, but how their thyroid hormones are utilized once they leave the thyroid can be a problem. This could be what's called a conversion issue, converting like inactive thyroid hormone called T4 to T3. This could be related to thyroid receptor sites, uh, having some degree of resistance and not really responding to the thyroid hormone. But there's a whole list of reasons we'll start to get into of why you may have your thyroid hormones uh, become low. We also know that there are endocrine disruptors now that really have an impact on making thyroid receptor sites function. And the interesting thing about having low thyroid hormones is that it can cause a, a, a diverse list of symptoms. So, you know, in, in working with patients with chronic illnesses, most practitioners know that if they see a patient and the patient has like lots of diverse symptoms that just don't make sense or they have every single symptom, one of the things that should always be evaluated is to make sure the patient doesn't have hypothyroidism. And typically when this is done by your doctors, they'll check a lab marker called TSH, which stands for thyroid stimulating hormone. And thyroid stimulating hormone levels go up uh, when your thyroid's not working. This is a hormone that's released by the pituitary gland and uh, the, the and when your thyroid hormones are low, the pituitary will try to stimulate your thyroid gland by releasing thyroid stimulating hormone. So that's the laboratory marker to check to see if you actually have hypothyroidism. And as we go through the list of symptoms in the different areas of the body that can be impacted by hypothyroidism, um, this may be a test that you may want to ask your healthcare professional to run if it has not been done already. And if you're already on thyroid replacement, you may need to get that monitored and make sure that your dosage is correct. Um, so let's go over how thyroid hormones really impact your body. And for the most part, what you have to understand is that there are receptor sites for the thyroid gland all throughout the body. So all the different cells in your brain, in your organs, in your endocrine gland, uh, in your skin, in your nails, pretty much every cell in your body has receptor sites for thyroid hormones. So when there is decreased thyroid hormones, there could be a diverse list of symptoms. Now, the interesting thing is in a real-world scenario, every person that has hypothyroidism, a state where their thyroid hormones are low, has a unique set of symptoms. And no one really understands why some people with hypothyroidism have a pattern where 
they can't lose weight. Some people have with hypothyroidism, they can't gain weight. Some people with hypothyroidism have significant hair loss. Some people with hypothyroidism have severe constipation as their only symptom. But it, it really varies from one person to, to the next. So there isn't really a, a set of exact symptoms uh, that are always associated with low thyroid function. The typical ones are just fatigue. Fatigue, depression are the most common symptoms people do have when, when their thyroid hormone levels are low. Now, you should know that the most common cause for thyroid hormones to be low is actually from an autoimmune disease. So 95%, 98%, uh, depending on which papers you're reading, what sources you're referring to, of people that actually develop hypothyroidism, meaning their gland is no longer working, hypo means low, thyroid being low thyroid function, is really due to an autoimmune disease called Hashimoto's. And in the majority of cases of people that actually develop hypothyroidism, they actually don't know they have an autoimmune disease. So with most people, they'll have thyroid symptoms, maybe it's fatigue, maybe it's depression, they'll go to the doctor, their doctor will um, maybe hear their symptoms and run a TSH test and the levels may come up and they go, okay, well, you're, you're hypothyroid. And uh, then they will put them on thyroid replacement and the patient never really knows that they have uh, really an autoimmune disease. And then the standard protocol is to have a patient come back every single year to get their thyroid hormone levels checked again. And the reason that's become a routine pattern is because since most people have Hashimoto's as the cause, insurance companies really don't pay for antibody testing since 95, 90% of the people that have hypothyroidism have it. And it's a very expensive test uh, to do that. So that test isn't done, but it's expected that over the year that their autoimmune disease is going to continue to destroy their thyroid gland further. That's why they want to schedule that annual visit to recheck levels of TSH and determine if the person's thyroid gland has been further compromised by their immune system and, and now need a greater dose of thyroid hormones to, to compensate for it. The problem with that is some people have thyroid gland destruction that takes place sooner than a year. So they're actually in a low thyroid state before their annual visit. So their immune system may be very aggressive and they go in and get a prescription for some degree of dosage for their thyroid hormones. But four months out, their immune system has really destroyed a lot of these thyroid uh, follicular cells in their glands. So their ability to make thyroid hormones is not enough, and the amount of replacement that's been given to them is also now insufficient because there's greater destruction of their own uh, remnant tissue that's left making thyroid hormones. So what we'll do is when we go over these symptoms, you should really understand that um, that if you do have thyroid, uh, some of these low thyroid symptoms, that you should, you should really uh, look into it and get those things evaluated. Now, for the most part, one of the key features of thyroid hormones is that thyroid hormones are really going to activate what's called the basal metabolic rate. So the basal metabolic rate is basically um, the activation of all the different processes in your cells to produce energy. And when we say energy, we, we don't mean just the energy you feel, but the energy that's, that's necessary for brain endurance, the energy that's necessary for your muscle endurance. So when we look at the, the basal metabolic rate being impacted with thyroid conditions, so one of the things that can happen is, first of all, just general fatigue. People are tired. They just don't know why. They can't get enough sleep. They can't recover from workouts. They also notice that the muscle endurance is really compromise. So when they're working out and exercising, they just, they don't have the endurance they used to. If they're living, lifting weights. They just know they don't have as, they can't do as many reps. And that's one of the key features of 
of um, having low thyroid hormones. Now, what I want to do is just go through all the different systems that are involved and really explain what's really happening with um, different parts of the body when the immune system, when the, when the thyroid gland isn't doing its job. And I really like to start, first of all, with the brain. Now, what you have to know is that thyroid hormones really activate the energy processes in the brain through uh, what are called mitochondria, energy-producing powerhouses within neurons and also through cells throughout the body. So, you know, one of the key things of people that have low thyroid status is they just don't have brain endurance. So in addition to feeling fatigued, they just realize they can't read like they used to, they can't, let's say, drive long distances like they used to. Any kind of cognitive tasks become very difficult for them. And they also have difficulty uh, with attention because attention is really sustained focus. So their attention levels go down and sometimes they're really scared that they may have dementia or some kind of neurocognitive issue, but all they really have is is really hypothyroidism. The other things that happen when there's a degree of hypothyroidism or low thyroid status when we're referring to the brain is that there tends to be decreased overall activity of the brain. So synaptic activity, the different synapses that happen between one neuron or another really become diminished. So many people start to have all types of mood disorders and depression. We're going to do an entire podcast just on the brain, but just as we go through the key things you should know. So mood disorders, uh, fatigue of the brain, uh, inability to focus, attention issues, impaired recall, those are all the potential impacts of low thyroid hormone status when it comes to the brain. Now we also know that uh, the um, thyroid, thyroid hormones themselves also have significant impacts on dampening brain inflammation. So typically what happens when people are in a low thyroid state, um, they're more prone to having the foods they eat, the environmental exposures they get to really churn on brain inflammation. This is through a specific mechanism called neuroglial activation. We'll talk about that more in, on the podcast on the brain. But people that... Sometimes, for example, if they're sensitive to gluten or dairy protein, when they're actually in a low thyroid state, those symptoms get much, much worse because uh, lack of thyroid hormones leads to increased activation of these inflammatory uh, cells in the brain. Now, thyroid hormones, besides impacting the brain, they impact the GI tract, they impact the gallbladder, they impact liver function, they impact lipid and cholesterol clearance, they impact protein metabolism, they impact your red blood cells. They impact how you stabilize your blood sugar levels. They impact both male and female hormones. And they impact the cardiovascular system. They impact bone. And this is important because I'll go through each of these different mechanisms with you. But it's also important to know that if, for example, if you if you are in a low thyroid state for many, many years, let's say you've been hypothyroid and you've never been diagnosed, and we just went over the mechanisms related to the brain, Areas of your brain may actually atrophy. So there's greater rates of neurodegeneration when someone has been in a low thyroid state for many years. We know that things like gallstones start to form when people have um, hypothyroidism for a long period of time. Bone density, bone quality can be impacted. So as we go through these symptoms of low thyroid function, if you have not been screened for hypothyroidism, or if you've already been diagnosed hypothyroidism and you, your dose may not be appropriate, there are some long-term clinical effects that can take place on your physiology if you don't address them. So what, what I want to do is kind of go through each of these systems, and let's just talk about the bone structures and bone health itself. Now, 
you know, one of the things that we all have to worry about as we get older, and especially for women, because they're very susceptible to osteoporosis and osteopenia. That's just really when the bones become weak and uh, thyroid hormones have a significant impact on uh, bone density, but more importantly on bone quality. So when you look at bone quality, bone quality involves the microarchitecture of the bone. And when you look at bones, bones should have like healthy right angles with each other and really be able to sustain gravity and force uh, and load. And one of the things that happens is that when they look at bones of people that have been hypothyroid for a long period of time, their microarchitecture is totally compromised and they become more prone to developing fractures. They also notice in, in studies that when people have been in a low thyroid state for many years, there's actually microscopic damage to the bone. So the bone is getting injured just from gravity and from forces that they're putting against their body, maybe through working out or exercising and so forth. They've also identified the collagen quality in bones is impacted and the crystal size is impacted. So this is really important. Now, one of the things you have to understand about osteoporosis and osteopenia is throughout your whole life, you're actually building your bone density in your 20s and 30s and 40s. And if you're hypothyroid in that time period and that's not addressed, when you really start to get into your uh, senior years and 40s and 50s and so forth, that's when you can really start to have some accelerated osteoporosis and osteopenia just because your thyroid hormone levels were low. Now, if you're in your 40s and 50s, then being hypothyroid actually has another effect, and that is that it activates what are called osteoclasts. Osteoclasts are cells that break down bone. And when you're in your 40s and 50s, these cells become very active. And if you're in a hypothyroid state, they even become further activated, and that leads to rapid bone loss. So if you have a history of osteoporosis um, in your family, if you're dealing with osteopenia, which is the early stage of osteoporosis, one of the things that you have to understand is that thyroid hormones can have a role there. And once again, if you have symptoms of low thyroid function, one of the effects of this is that it has a uh, effect on your bone density that can really expose itself as you get older and you start to have some age-related uh, bone loss. Now, thyroid hormones also have a significant impact in the gastrointestinal system. And we'll have an entire podcast just focused on the relationship between the gastrointestinal system we call the gut and the thyroid gland and how the thyroid gland impacts the gut by itself. But just to give you the big picture, so thyroid hormones are really involved with activating um, the intestinal muscles of the gut. And the intestinal muscles of the gut are really involved with causing contractions so you can actually move food uh, through your intestinal tract. And one of the things that you should know is many, many people that have hypothyroidism, their only chief complaint is that they have chronic constipation. And most people will see a patient that doesn't have depression, doesn't have fatigue, and just they have chronic constipation. And they think, well, it's just got to be some kind of dietary thing or some type of gastrointestinal issue. But they forget, they forget that thyroid hormones can have a significant impact on how these muscles in the gastrointestinal tract work. So one of the things that we see is that many people have hypothyroidism, have chronic constipation, and over a period of time, these, these types of patterns also impact things like their gallbladder. The gallbladder doesn't contract well, so many people that have hypothyroidism for long periods of time develop gallstones. The longer you've actually been in a low thyroid state, the more likely that you'll actually develop gallstones. And also, if, if thyroid hormones aren't 
able to activate the metabolic rate of the muscles of the intestinal tract, it's really common to develop what's called dysbiosis. And dysbiosis is, is an imbalance between healthy bacteria and unhealthy bacteria. And sometimes, you know, people get dysbiosis because they eat a diet that's really high in sugar and starches and really low in vegetables. And uh, But other times, some people have a healthy diet, but since they're thyroid hormone levels are low, they really can't activate their muscles of their gut to move food. And this leads to to uh, back to bacteria that aren't properly formed, leads to dysbiosis and a whole host of issues that take place because of inability to move food and across the gastrointestinal tract, what they call transit time. So that's a that's a key issue. Now thyroid hormones also have an effect on getting blood flow to the gut. That's really critical. Um, and thyroid hormones are really important. We're just impacting the bacteria species of the gut. So for some people that have low thyroid status, they just can't get their gastrointestinal system fixed. They go on nutraceuticals, they go on supplements, they go on <laughs> probiotics. They may have some limited effect, but they're not able to really uh, get the level of optimization they can from the gut until um, they actually get their thyroid issues addressed. Now, thyroid hormones have some significant impact on blood vessels too. So one of the things that we know is that you know, over time, your blood vessels can become injured as you go through each decade of your life. And as your blood vessels get injured, you can have plaque formation develop from injury. So inflammation comes in, uh, injures the inner lining of the blood vessel called the vascular endothelium. And then once that takes place, calcium comes in and patches that up. And over time, this leads to thickening of the arteries, hardening of the arteries. And when arteries get thick and hardened, um, it's harder for uh, blood to circulate and there's greater resistance to the heart pumping blood out. So blood pressure levels start to rise. And then as blood pressure levels start to rise, there's further damage against the rest of the arteries that are healthy. And then they get damaged from the increased blood pressure. And this, le this sets up the stage for atherosclerosis. And these atherosclerosis uh, calcium plaques can break off and then get into a small vessel, which could be a uh, part of the, the mechanism of developing an embolism, embolytic stroke, or sometimes these calcium thickening, hardening, increased blood pressure so high that they actually cause blood vessels that are very small to rupture, and that's called the hemorrhagic stroke. So if a person's been in a low thyroid state for 10 years, 15 years, even though they're eating well and exercising and doing things, um, they can have significant calcification. So when people that have been hypothyroid for many, many years go and get what are called um, coronary calcium uh, scores where they look at the amount of plaquing in their carotid arteries, many people, despite eating a healthy diet and not eating lots of different fats and the things that everyone associates with cardiovascular disease, have significant plaquing. So again, this is, this is really important. You know, when you're in a low thyroid state, not only are you having brain degeneration, not only are you having uh, significant bone loss and changes in your bone microarchitecture, not only are you prone to developing gallstones, not only are you prone to developing dysbiosis, but, you know, your blood vessels can be compromised. Now, as, as you get older, you have to realize, like, falls leading to a fracture that then leads to embolytic stroke is one of the, you know, top five causes of death. Um cardiovascular disease, strokes, is another major cause of death. So, you know, 
being in a low thyroid state is something to be taken very seriously. And if you have any symptoms, it needs to be evaluated. Now, you should also know, like looking at a TSH test or normal thyroid panels is not part of a routine examination still. You really have to have you know, your doctor run them for you um, as part of your routine exam. So insurance companies don't really have a TSH test or any kind of thyroid panel as part of a routine workup that you go in for your annual physical exam. So once again, if you're noticing some of these symptoms that we're talking about, you really uh, need to get your thyroid checked. And and even, even, even better, you should just always ask for a thyroid screen when you go for your annual physical exam. Now, we also know that thyroid hormones have some significant impact on um, metabolism. And usually, like in a real clinical setting, there's two types of thyroid patients. There's thyroid patients, and it's almost like half and half. There's some thyroid patients that are overweight. There's some thyroid patients that are underweight. And then there's some, you know, like obviously in the middle, normal weight. But not every person that has hypothyroidism is overweight. As a matter of fact, there's just as many underweight hypothyroid patients that are out there. Now let's talk about the overweight uh, mechanisms first. So thyroid hormones have a significant impact on metabolism, so the metabolic rate, how your cells use energy. But more importantly, thyroid hormones co-activate a hormone in the body called hormone-sensitive lipase. And hormone-sensitive lipase is what's used to break down body fat. So when people, for example, uh, drink caffeine or exercise or take a stimulant, they're actually raising what what is called uh, catecholamines or adrenaline, and that activates this hormone called hormone-sensitive lipase to break down fat or triglycerides into what's called glycerol and fatty acids. But when people are in a hypothyroid state, their hormone-sensitive lipase doesn't work as well. So they have a really hard time if they're overweight, uh, breaking down their body fat. This is why some people with hypothyroidism have this expression of... uh, of really having a hard time um, uh, with their weight. And, and then once their thyroid hormones get normalized, it's much, much easier for them, but there's other factors besides just thyroid hormones that are involved with that. Uh, the other thing you should know is that there's some people that are underweight. So thyroid hormones are also important for protein metabolism and protein synthesis. A lot of underweight people can, just cannot build muscle. So they're underweight, they try to exercise, they try to work out, they just can't build muscle. So another feature of being in a hypothyroid state is it's very hard to build muscle. So the combination of having a hard time building muscle and having a hard time burning body fat can really express itself with, let's say, people that, let's say, overeat, it's much easier for them to gain weight and lose weight, and for people that, that just don't get enough physical activity and just don't get enough muscle uh, stimulus, have a really hard time building muscle. So you get both this overweight, underweight patterns with people that have uh, hypothyroidism. Now, another common feature of hypothyroidism is that the, the impact it has on your blood sugar stability. So when you eat a meal, um, you know, you're basically providing your body with protein, fats, or carbohydrates. Those proteins, fats, and carbohydrates eventually get metabolized to what's called glucose. And then glucose is used by the cells of your body to provide fuel uh, uh, for for mitochondria in your cells to produce something called ATP, which is energy. Now, when people are hypothyroid, 
their blood sugar stability levels can become impacted. And there's really also two two different types of blood sugar patterns with, with hypothyroidism. There's some that are low blood sugar hypoglycemics, and there's some of those that are insulin resistant. Now, insulin resistance people, the, they tend to be on the overweight side. And the key feature that happens with people that have insulin resistance, which means they can't get their glucose into the cell. So when a person eats a meal, uh, proteins, fats, or carbohydrates, that gets eventually converted to glucose, and that glucose has to get into the cell. And what carries that glucose into the cell is a hormone released by the pancreas called insulin. And for some people, if they're always eating lots of carbohydrates and lots of sugars and not getting enough physical activity or movement, they actually get what's called insulin resistance. Their receptor sites for insulin don't work well. And then when they eat a meal, they can't get that glucose into their cells. That glucose then converts into, it's got to go somewhere. So it gets converted into triglycerides to convert it to fat. And that takes a lot of energy. So these people really end up with fatigue issues after they eat. So now... That insulin resistance pattern is really caused by more likely lifestyle, not enough movement, not enough exercise, too much carbohydrates, too much sugar, but hypothyroidism makes it worse. So the insulin receptors, the insulin signaling pathways get, get, get further compromised, less efficient in hypothyroid states. Now, then you have the other group of people that are hypoglycemic, and they tend to be the underweight hypothyroid patients. So what happens with them is, you know, when they eat a meal or in between meals, if their blood sugar levels drop, their body is supposed to uh, release cortisol and glucagon to get their blood sugar levels back up. And these hormone releases and these hormone interactions also become less efficient in hypothyroid states. So when a person has low thyroid hormones, their hypoglycemia patterns get worse or their insulin resistance patterns get worse. Now, whether they're hypoglycemic or insulin resistance really has to go with their lifestyle. So hypoglycemics tend to be the ones that miss meals or have like a smoothie for a meal or, or things, things where their blood sugar levels can drop. And insulin resistance people are just the ones that tend to have too much carbs, uh, increased calories for their energy expenditures, but the hypothyroidism will make all of those interactions worse. So that's another key feature of being in a low thyroid state. Now, if you ever get any blood work, you should also know that if you're actually in a low thyroid state, you may actually have very high cholesterol levels. So if you ever had a blood test and your total cholesterol levels, your LDL protein, your triglyceride levels have been elevated, that could be a big clue that you're actually hypothyroid. So thyroid hormones have a major role in clearing out lipids. So in people that have hypothyroidism and they're actually in a low thyroid status, sometimes they get a cholesterol panel back and it looks like uh, <laughs> the worst panel ever. They're, everything is extremely out of range and it just doesn't make sense to them because, you know, they're thinking they should be, you know, they're not eating fat all day and <laughs> there's no reason for their levels to be high. We, we know now that fat alone is not why you have increased cholesterol, but that's the common assumption still in the healthcare model. So if you ever have really abnormal total cholesterol, LDL, or triglycerides that just don't make sense, you really got to make sure it's not uh, really due to low thyroid hormones. So you can get your thyroid screen for that as well. So, you know, kind of like when you look at this this big picture of all the things that can happen, uh, when, when, when a person's in a low thyroid hormone status, their brain's impacted, they can get mood issues, depression, brain inflammation, 
all diseases that are neurodegenerative like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's disease are uh, at greater risk. There's further neurodegenerative patterns in low thyroid states. The GI tract becomes less e- efficient, uh, very easy to develop gallstones, especially in females with hypothyroid states. Um, the clearance of cholesterol becomes a problem. The other thing that also happens related to clearance is there are um, pathways in the liver that are called uh, cytochrome P450 pathways. And these pathways are involved with clearing out chemicals. And when chemicals get when chemicals um, enter our body, our body has to be able to convert them into a what's called a water soluble state. And there is two phases in the liver that do this: phase one and phase two. And both phase one and phase two metabolic processes also become impacted in low thyroid status. Um, so, if you have someone who's who's exposed to chemicals, their body's ability to clear them <laughs> becomes less efficient in hypothyroid states. So that uh, is something else to add in there. So you combine that with how it's hard to build protein, how it's hard to burn body fat, how blood sugar levels become attenuated. These things all really start to add up to a person's really having chronic diseases just from a low thyroid status. Now, it's not to say that if you replace your thyroid hormones, everything normalizes, because that's not always the case. Because a lot of these mechanisms are just um, exaggerating a preliminary pattern that exists. So it's kind of like one layer of something that needs to take place in order for a person to have recovery that's, that has chronic issues and thyroid hormones being lower, part of it. But you still have to, for example, address um, maybe why they have a blood sugar issue or they still only have to address factors that are causing inflammation from their diet lifestyle to really get the biggest change. Um, you should also know, last part that I want to add into this is how thyroid hormones impact male hormones and female hormones. And it's pretty straightforward. Uh, for females, thyroid hormones play a significant role in the feedback loop between progesterone receptors and the pituitary release of luteinizing hormone, and also a pituitary release of follicle stimulating hormone and activation of the follicle. So it's not uncommon for women that have low thyroid status, that have their menstrual cycles all over the place, have uh, really heavy bleeding, even light bleeding, all types of menstrual irregularities, and even loss of the menstrual cycles can take place in hypothyroid states. In males, thyroid hormones activate uh, what are called lytic cells in the testes, which are used to make testosterone. So there are males that will have uh, a, what's called a hypogonad pattern show up where their testosterone levels are low simply because... Um, thyroid hormones are necessary to synthesize testosterone as well. So we also get those types of hormone imbalances. So like, what does this really, so let's put this all together. Like, what does this mean for you? Well, for you, I would say, if you're listening to this podcast, if you've already been diagnosed hypothyroid, if you have any of these symptoms that are still occurring, you really need to get checked to make sure your thyroid hormone levels are at the right dosage. It's, it's very common that over time, uh, the autoimmune response called Hashimoto's continues to, to cause some destruction of the thyroid gland. And that uh, will increase your body's demands for thyroid hormones because over time, the immune system will destroy the amount of cells you have in your thyroid gland to produce thyroid hormones. It also means that uh, when you look at these mechanisms, um, simply taking thyroid hormones probably won't be enough to address this. Uh, it just gives you a chance to recover. 
So the underlying cause of hypothyroidism is really autoimmunity, that you really have to control the autoimmunity. You really have to control the blood sugar issues. You still may need to improve uh, your gastrointestinal function or your microbiome. So if you have interest in learning uh, strategies for diet, nutrition, lifestyle for Hashimoto's, um, I did create a course called Hashimoto's Solving the Puzzle, and it's and it's available at drknews.com. Uh, drknews.com. And in that program, I, I walk through all the steps for you to really understand Hashimoto's, and that will be a, a significant part of helping you understand what you can do to improve your health if you have uh, this underlying autoimmune response. Now, in addition to that, you still need to make sure that your thyroid levels are checked, and if you need replacement, that you're on proper replacement and the dosage is correct. I hope this podcast was useful for you. And thank you for uh, listening. Thank you. You can find all of this information and more at drknews.com slash podcast. There you'll find the show notes, readings, and links related to this episode. You can also find Dr. Karazian's blog at drknews.com. The best thing to do is sign up for his weekly newsletter, where he will update you on the latest research and clinical strategies related to chronic and autoimmune health conditions. On social, you can find him on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest with the username Datis Karazian. This is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional health care services, including the giving of medical advice. And note, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to the podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they have, and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. To learn more about Dr. Karazian's disclosures and the companies he advises, please visit drknews.com forward slash about.